You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the Oz Network as we continue our ongoing coverage of Third Watch, our exclusive coverage. Nobody else is doing this except for us. You're welcome, both of you Third Watch fans out there that still listen and want to hear about the show. Uh, we're into the 17th episode of the first season. This is a good one. It's called Ohio. First aired on April 10th, 2000, uh, written by John Romano, directed by Michael Fields. And uh, this is one of my favourite episodes of this entire show. I think it's one of the best episodes of Third Watch that there is, and it's kind of... Just one of these standout ones, I feel, Brandy, that uh, that you remember. And I've already said your name. I've spoiled it for out here people who are possibly thinking that um, we've gotten a special guest on here or anything, but whatever. Uh, let's start off by uh, saying you'd think I would know how to host one of these episodes by now. Uh, my name is Ben, and uh, I also like to use the White House for a bit of uh, hump and bump while uh, I bake some cookies. And though, although you think you're an orphan, Ben, you're not. You got a father. Aw. Is your father. Oh, thank you. That means a lot. <laughs> Thanks, Brandy. That That's made my day. I thought you was about to go on a rant like, God is not my father. <laughs> <laughs> you know me too well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is this is a, an interesting episode. I mean, it kind of touched on a few times that uh, we generally do have at least once a season again, particularly in these early ones. I think they kind of fade out a little bit towards the end. But we kind of have like that one episode where it's like all the characters are sort of together and they all kind of have to interact with each other. And it's just, I love these episodes because in such a character-driven show, it just, it shines so well in this. Uh, and I don't know if, uh, I, I really don't know your overall viewpoint on this episode. I guess we'll get to that at the end. But, I mean, I don't know if you generally like these episodes where it's kind of the job really isn't a part of these episodes and it's really just the interaction between the characters or not. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I like this episode. I will say one, they do have a good scene in this episode where I do, and because you, you made a point earlier before we, Sorry, recurring this podcast is how like this episode is focuses more on, focuses more on the lives of the of them versus their jobs, mm-hmm. which I do like because there's this scene where Kim does go into details about one of her first jobs, and I thought that was very powerful. And so I mean, I do like it. I and mean, then of course you're gonna have some relevant politic talk as well, which is. <laughs> This episode's nearly 20 years old, and it's yeah. kind of so relevant, isn't it? Like, with the political debates that happen in this it, episode. It is, and I was like, wow, they called that. Like, it was it's so real. I was watching this, and I was like, wow, isn't that just funny? Like, how we just, <laughs> just oh, happened. It's crazy. It is crazily <laughs> relevant uh, at the time of recording this, just based on what has happened in the uh, the US political schemes, I guess, uh, recently. But um, we'll get to that. I mean, as, as the thing that I will find, I think, with this episode is that I, I kind of feel like we're going to cover a lot in a little amount of time because let, 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 we'll get straight into it. Essentially, this whole episode revolves around all nine of our favourite people, including Jimmy, because let's be honest, we don't know why Jimmy's really there, but we'll get to that. Um, they're all at a hotel uh, because there is a debate going on between Senate candidates, uh, Rudy Giuliani, who at the time was the mayor of New York City, and then First Lady of the United States of America, Hillary Rodham Clinton, who then was running for a Senate position uh, for New York. Uh, a position which I do believe she did go on to win, if I'm not mistaken there, Brandy. Um, and then she obviously what went on to become Secretary of State. Uh, I sort of know my political natures there of the US. But, I mean, this is essentially... So we've got our four police uh, stationed to kitchen duty. They're there, obviously, to protect anybody who might come through the kitchen and try and assassinate either Rudolph Giuliani or Hillary Clinton. We've got the four paramedics who essentially are waiting down in the ambulance bay because in case one of them has a heart attack or something along those lines. I have to kind of explain that, don't we? Oh, we're here in case one of them carks it. And again, we have Jimmy for some reason. I don't know why they need the FDNY outside the building. Like, is Rudolph Giuliani going to catch on fire or something? Like, I mean, I don't know. Is this, a, like, again, I, I know you're not in New York, but I mean, I, is this a thing like in America when you have political debates, you've got to have the fire department on standby as well as the paramedics and the police? I have no idea. To be honest, <laughs> I uh, no, I didn't. It's funny because like the first time I got into politics is when I was eighteen, and Obama was becoming president, and 
then I still don't know much about politics. I'm, I took political science in high school, but that's totally different. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. I, look, I, I, I'd be interested if somebody out there works in security detail or secrets. I don't know. If you really need that. Like, let's be honest. Jimmy is just there to help Kim out. Like, Jimmy could be a phone call away, for God's sakes. Like, I mean, Jimmy does not need to be in this episode. Uh, we went, went three, four, or five episodes ago when Jimmy literally wasn't in the episode. Uh, and then we also had that episode where Jimmy randomly was in it for one scene to meet his bookie. Uh, this, again, is one of those Jimmy really doesn't need to be there episodes, but let's write him in anyway because Eddie Cibrian has such cute dimples. So, <laughs> it's got... Nice abs. No, do you say abs or ass there, Brandy? Uh, <laughs> well, well, or both. You say both. You say both. <laughs> good save. Well done. I like that. I, I, I applaud you. That, that, that's good. Well done. So, I mean, essentially, kind of, this whole episode, we're just really going to go over kind of just some of the fun interactions we have. And I, I think we can probably just lump it all together in terms of the cops and the paramedics. Uh, but... Yeah, we, in terms of just the, the, the relevance of this episode when it comes to Hillary Clinton especially, uh, obviously with Giuliani, though, like, I don't remember watching this, like, when it first aired. Because this first aired in 2000, April 10th, 2000. So here in Australia, we would have gotten it not long afterwards. So to us as Australians, we at that point would have had no clue who Giuliani is. Uh, I think we only kind of obviously really heard about him as most of the world no doubt did after 9-11. So, you know, thinking about watching this episode in the year 2000, we would obviously know Hillary Clinton from being the first lady of the USA, but we wouldn't have had a clue at that point too that she actually had political aspirations. So it kind of is interesting when we will get here very shortly to their debate about President Hillary Clinton about just like... Uh, I, I remember watching this episode around about the time that Obama was selected in 2007 to run to be the Democratic candidate. And obviously because he went up against Hillary Clinton initially then. So I remember this kind of being relevant 10 years ago when Hillary Clinton was possibly running for president. And obviously it's even more relevant now that like less than a year ago, at the time of recording this, she very nearly became the first female president of the United States. Oh, man, Who knew man, that man. we'd be talking about the presidential candidacy on Third Watch episodes on the Oz Network? <laughs> I, that is crazy. I mean, who knew? And it's, it's funny, you know, because I, I kind of forget about this episode until until we start, wa- you know, watching, rewatching episodes. And I'm like, wow, this, <laughs> it is crazy. I didn't think we would talk about this. Uh. But it's I mean, it's cool, though. I mean, she has come... It makes you kind of respect how far she's come in certain ways. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, she's... Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's a very good point. I mean, she definitely... Um, she doesn't give up, you know. The- no, she doesn't. I mean, I don't... They're, they're talking about, like, this might be her last thing doing, like, for a policy. I don't know if that's true or not. I just know, like, election night, they were talking about, like, this was her last time ever running for presidential because she's her age or whatever. Whatever it was or something, but... Let, let's let, let's be honest, Brandy. We're all hashtag Team Michelle Obama for 2020. So you know, love you, Hillary. But come on, we want Michelle running for president. Come on, come on now. Yes, yes. You're my best friend tonight, babe. I, I would honestly uh, become an American citizen just to put my name down to vote for Michelle Obama. Come on, everyone loves her. We have a hot. We would have a hot ass president. Oh, damn straight. We don't already. Come on, Donald's pretty sexy. Uh, <laughs> Dang it. All those cyanide pills that Hitler took still. <laughs> I'm kidding. Wow. Hitler references. No. Well, this is a good start. <laughs> um, so, back to this episode. Uh, I, I, for one, always question, like, why is this episode called Ohio? But then I realized it is actually a big throwaway point. Uh, we, we never really mention the episode titles too much because, for the most part, like, a lot of TV shows, their episode title will be a direct you know, relation to what is happening in the episode. Uh, you know, his friends obviously famously did it, you know, like the one with the sandwich, the one with the college tape, you know, like they would, you would know what generally the episode's going to be about. Whereas Third Watch kind of, I feel they mix and match. Like one episode, like last episode was Nature or Nurture. That was obviously like a direct relation to what was happening in that episode. But sometimes you will have the name of the episode, like the history of the world kind of goes down to just a quote in the episode, if you know what I mean. So like this time around... Ohio kind of relates to what is a, kind of almost a throwaway storyline. But I think it's kind of cleverly done that 
if you're thinking back to season one and you're like, what's that episode where they're all in the kitchen and they're waiting around and they're all talking? Good episode. You, you kind of forget it's called Ohio. Um, right. Because it, it really, if you think about it, like next season, for example, as I keep talking up, my favourite episode of the entire series run and one of the best episodes I feel of television ever is called After Hours. And what's that about, Brandy? It's about all the crew hanging out after hours. So, you know, it's kind of that works in. You can remember what that episode is called. Uh, the self-importance of being Carlos. You know, it works in well. You know what you're in for. Whereas I just, I don't know. I think it's clever the way that this episode's called Ohio. I just felt like the need to talk about that before we really get into this episode. I will say one of my favorite favorite titles is Bullets in a Broken Heart. Yeah. I just thought that was clever. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems cool. It is. Bullets in a Broken Heart. <laughs> um, so. So, anyway, we'll get, as I said, uh, I said this episode might not go for that long considering there's not a whole lot in terms of the grand scheme. We've already taken 10 minutes of your time here and we haven't even started talking about the episode. So, as I said, they're all on uh, sort of protection duty uh, in their various roles. So, with the police, we're uh, here in the kitchen. We see Bosco and Yokus um, find out they're on protection duty uh, for this uh, debate. Uh, Bosco's singing a lovely little song about domestic violence, which is always nice. Um... And we get a uh, lovely little debate of Yokus's ownership of the newspaper, uh, which <laughs> I do, again, lovely little banter um, between the two. Uh, we also get uh, Bosco trying to pick at the food. We kind of have this uh, little storyline of Sully's, which kind of will play into it very shortly, about how uh, they expect to get a, food, a feed because they're protecting the chefs and the food. And, of course, we first see Yokus try... Uh, Bosco trying to pinch some of the food, which is interesting. But I like it. We it then leads us into this uh, first political debate of the episode, where he's basically like a thousand dollars a plate, and all you get is a piece of chicken. And then of course Yokus is like, "Yes, but you also get your photo taken with Hillary Clinton." And Bosco is like, "Oh, Mayor Giuliani." Uh, <laughs> I just love the way Bosco says that line. It's like, "I would gladly get my picture taken with R- Rudolph Giuliani." Just like just the way he kind of says it. Um, and then we just kind of, you know, get a little bit of debate. Obviously, Yoko's is like, I told you we didn't want to talk about this. Uh, Bosco's like, you know, not holding back against Hillary Clinton. Obviously, uh, the whole uh, Monica Lewinsky scandal was still very fresh in the minds of people in the year 2000. Uh, so, you know, it's uh, talking about uh, the hump and bump in the White House. Um, and then when you, what does Yoko say about like, oh, um, it's you always make this a gender thing. And then Bosco's like, she's not even a woman. <laughs> it's like, what? Um, and then the, 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 we get the random Hillary Clinton cameo in this episode, or at least some actor's back of their head who loosely looks like Hillary Clinton, who decides to walk through the kitchen and give a presidential wave to everyone. Like, who there is, like, wanting her to wave at the kitchen staff? There's, like, three people clapping at her. <laughs> but I just think that's so funny that, like, you know, you literally have barely anyone clapping for her, yet she's got a wave like, oh, hello, I'm Hillary Clinton coming through. Um, and just Bosco's face, which obviously is kind of like, oh, you know, he's obviously like, oh, there's Hillary Clinton. You can see he's a little bit starstruck or whatever. And just Yokus notices him and he quickly like changes his turn. Um, I just want to stop there just in the opening bit. Again, we're going to gel so much of this in together, but I just think it's such a fun way to start the episode. It is, it is. I thought that was funny. I mean... I do, uh, the line you just said when he was like, she's not even a woman. <laughs> I was just like, wow, that was funny. <laughs> that was perfect. I mean, so what was she, Bosco? I mean, out of curiosity, you like, what is she then? <laughs> it just makes me wonder what he was trying to say. Yeah. She's not a woman, but she's not a man. You know, the other thing I'm actually disappointed here looking at the uh, cast on IMDb, we don't actually have the uh, actress's name who played back of Hillary Clinton's head. Uh, so, <laughs> sadly, no credit for whoever that was. I mean, I mean, that could have actually been Hillary Clinton, and we would have never been the wiser. I mean, I will say, the back of her head really did look like Hillary Clinton's back of her head, so. <laughs> Haircut and right down to everything. I mean, the pantsuit. It, uh, it, it did very well. Uh, anyway, so then we get um, Davis and um, Sully showing up. We get uh, Davis needs his tunes. Uh, and he's listening to his Discman. <laughs> Does not date this episode at all. Um, and I, I do like kind of when he, he passes over the headphones to, to Sully. And Sully's like, oh, what is that? You know, and it's like, it's rap. It's, it's rhythmic American poetry. 
and then we kind of get this interesting little conversation. We find out that Sully digs poetry. Uh, <laughs> I actually did tweet to Skip Sutter when I watched this episode. Hey, Skip, do you still dig poetry? Uh, sadly, he never wrote back to me. But uh, <laughs> just <laughs> when we get him on the show, that's going to be like the first question I ask him. Uh, thank you, Skip, for being on the show. First question, do you dig poetry still? Um, but uh, they walk in. We get we get Bobby's line of "Here comes Salt and Pepper." Is that slightly racist, Brandy, or am I just in a twenty seventeen mindset where everything apparently is racist? Salt and pepper. I mean, there is. There... No, I don't. I don't know. I, mean, I love salt and pepper, the the rap group. I, I, I'm I'm so. more assuming the fact I'm thinking he's implying that he's salt, white man, and no, pepper. No, no. <laughs> I'm like there's a rap group called yeah, no no I, I understand that but I, I, yeah, yeah, uh, let's, yeah, I let's don't point out you would not get away with this in 2017 <laughs> I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know that's what was like there was a, a popular rap group back then that was called Salt and Pepper so I don't think I would say it's in not 2000? I thought they were only popular about 6 years before 90. that <laughs> They still, they still do tours and stuff. They, they were, have like. They, sh- they, I will say, Brandy, they actually came to uh, Hobart about, I want to say, four years ago. We have a big music festival here at the every uh, the Falls Festival, and they did perform at Falls Festival about four years ago. And sadly, that was uh, that was the year that I actually went. I was uh, doing uh, interviews coordinator for my radio station, and I was there on the night after that they were there, so I didn't get to see them perform. Uh, but on a side note, I got to dance on stage with Beyonce's sister, so I don't know if that counts, but anyway. That does count. That's huge. One step closer to Beyonce. I don't really care for her, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, Solange Knowles, you know, what was it, six months later, she was like bashing up Jay-Z in an elevator or something like that, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not really into the Knowles family drama. Anyway, uh, I, just, I just wanted, again, I think I got a 2017 mind. You and I were talking about this off air a few minutes ago, so already I'm getting suckered into the 2017 mindset. Uh, I do, it's a nice little line, though. And Bobby, just the way when Carlos shows up and he's like, Carlos! Just, I, just, uh, I just like the way Bobby says the line. Um, we get all the paramedics who are there, obviously, in case somebody carks it. We find out they've got their paychecks. Uh, Kim's $100 down from two weeks ago. Kind of the, the whole paramedic storyline this episode revolves around Kim uh, fighting with Jimmy because, again, he's there, and they're obviously retelling stories of past, uh, uh, I guess, uh, what do you call them, calls. And, I mean, it's like it's, it kind of... Like this whole episode, you could argue, well, it's pointless. It's got nothing to the storyline. You know, all the police do is kind of debate about politics. But this is what I like about this episode. I like getting these personal sides of these characters. You know, we get the paramedics discussing previous calls and we get the cops kind of talking about their, their viewpoints on, you know, death penalties and, and things like that. It just it just makes it for a, a very interesting episode. Uh, we then get back to the... Uh, we, get, we get Davis and Sully walking through the kitchen. We get uh, sort of politically incorrect Sully which is quickly corrected by Davis when he says, oh, we did one of these at the UN for Red China. And then um, Davis is like, you mean the People's Republic of China? You don't call them Red China anymore. Um, (laughs) And obviously, Sully's whole thing here is he's going to get a free feed tonight because that's what happened with him and his dad when they went to Red China. Uh, I like it when they walk up to Sully, uh, when Sully and Davis walk up to Bosco and Yoko's. I don't know if you, you saw it, but like Davis rubs Bosco's head kind of funny the way he does it when they sort of show up and uh they're into this uh debate about president hillary um so basically yoke is like oh so you don't think a woman could be president it's like oh you know and he's like i never said a woman couldn't become president and he's like oh would you vote for a female presidential candidate and then bosco's like oh we've never had one uh, and then Davis is kind of has this little laugh on his face, to which Yoko says, we've never had a black president either. And then, of course, uh, Davis like, oh, you're going to pull race into this. I Again, so topical is it not to think that we're watching this episode right now, 2017, 18 years, 17 years after this episode's aired, we have now officially had a black president and we've also had a female presidential candidate. That obviously shows we've moved forward in the world, does it not, Brandy? Even though we have elected Donald Trump as president, but we'll just ignore that fact. It's okay, because Michelle Obama will be president well, exactly, soon. Exactly. If not, if not Michelle Obama, okay. Kanye West. So one of them. Uh, oh, oh, gosh, man, crap. <laughs> oh, come on. He's not going to do a worse job than Donald Trump. Give me nightmares. <laughs> I mean... He's got to be a better well, president than Trump. He'd be more entertaining. 
He'd like get up at the UN, like you'd get like I don't know the British Prime Minister Theresa May would be up there, and she and he'd jump up. Uh, Theresa, I'm really happy for you. I'm gonna let you finish, but I'm the greatest president of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I could so see that. How entertaining gonna... would that be? That's endearing when Kanye West does it. Trump does it. Who gives a shit? But Kanye West, come on, he'd rap like the presidential debates. How good would that be? All right, well, President <laughs> Yeezy, we want it. Oh my gosh, no. Okay, I'm taking any incoming messages. Anybody who lives in different countries, let me know if I'm welcome. <laughs> let me know if you can help me get in. <laughs> Don't let Ben in the country. Don't let him in if he's going to vote for Michelle Obama. <laughs> I will stay here if Michelle Obama's president, but... <laughs> well, okay, then. Well, what about The Rock? The Rock wants to run for the president, too. Like, we're going to have the presidential debate between President Dwayne Johnson and President Kanye West and President Michelle Obama. I think Michelle Obama oh. wins that one slightly. Oh, show Obama. No, nope. shoot, no. Nope. I'm just, oh, nightmares. <laughs> uh, it's funny. Like, even Kim mentions Avinka. Oh, yes, we get a Trump mention in this episode. Yes, Avanka Trump. Who am I, Avanka Trump? <laughs> and that's just, it's hilarious how that's mentioned with Hillary Clinton, Clinton and, like, boom. Now, now no, let's, let's be honest here, Brandy. You, you always see those, uh, like, BuzzFeed articles and these things where it's like, ten times The Simpsons predicted the future. Because, like, one episode, there was, like, a brief mention yeah. at President Trump. Now, I'm not saying Third Watch predicted the future because at no point did they say there's a Trump, Clinton, whatever. But you've got you to logically think about this episode. Written, directed, produced everything in the year 2000, 17 years before this stuff is so topical right now. The fact that they mention the words President Hillary and they also have a Trump reference in the same, not the Donald, but still the fact that the Trumps are relevant enough to talk about in the year 2000. So I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of, if this was on any other TV show, this would be a big deal because it's third watch nobody really pays attention to it i'm making it a big deal today on this show brandy it is a big deal and it's funny because like me thinking about it i'm just like and it's new york though so i always felt like new york growing up politics here are not really talked about i mean until the election comes until it's closer to that and it's like people say they're gonna vote for us and like there's no mention again you know but in new york i believe it's totally different because it's closer over that way on the east coast where politics are more talked about i, I believe maybe i'm wrong but it's just, I think they have more of an insight of what's going on. I don't know, because it's just so funny. Like, when I watch shows from the East Coast, the politics seem more talked about, more in-depth, like, or more prediction-wise, or just more relevant than shows from the West Coast. Yeah. That was them, but, yeah. <laughs> just my two cents. It's, uh, it's, just, it's just so interesting about just how this episode is and just kind of just the things you can take away from it. But uh, I do like this debate. Like, I like Sully when he says, like, two things I never talk about is, uh, what does he say, religion or politics. Um, and just, again, just this conversation that's happening. It's just what makes this episode so good. Um, Got to point out here, we meet the chef. We meet Dominic Robert, um, who, you know, becomes a central sort of uh, antagonist, I guess, to Sully in this episode. Now, we've constantly talked about how Third Watch has an issue of recycling actors in different roles. This, to me, is one of the two standouts. We've already gone over our dear friend, was he Chester Daniels from a few episodes ago, mm-hmm. the creepy rapist dude who would come back into it later on. Uh, so does our dear friend here, Ronald Gutman, who plays Dominic Robert. Now, he comes in uh, a lot later on. I believe it is around about... Uh, the time that Sully and Tatiana is a thing and there's a few, like, issues involved there with the law. Uh, he comes in and plays uh, a lawyer or an attorney of some sort uh, in a few seasons' time in a... Not a... You know, not so more so of a prominent role than he does in this, but so much so that you recognise him. When we get to that episode, I'll point him out. I don't know if you remember the episodes, but he's in it for at least two more episodes later on as a completely different character. So I just wanted to point that out here. This is one that always irks me when I do see this episode. I didn't know if you knew that. Mm-mm. Probably did not even pay attention to that. Well, now it's you will. A- I will, and it's been a while since I've watched the later episodes because it's so hard to find them sometimes. So yeah, it's I mean. yeah, it's it's fascinating. Just just pay pay close attention to that, people. And as I said, we will uh, we will point that out uh, when we get to that episode, just in case. And same with the uh, Chester Daniels Dennis, whatever his name was, episode. In case you uh, forgot that we were ever going to get to uh, 
that one. Uh, but yeah, so uh, you, you st- obviously Sully's trying to get food and he's been a hardline ass. I was like, no, there's a great Greek place over the corner. And uh, obviously they have a bit of a, an issue there. But you, you mentioned it in terms of um, the the Trump reference when uh, Kim's obviously on the phone trying to find out where this $100 went missing. Uh, what does he say? Oh, lawyer, speak to my lawyer. I'm not a bunker Trump here. Uh, which I think is funny. So she's angry and she's like, oh, is Jimmy outside? Of course he is, because why wouldn't the FDNY be there? I do like Carlos and Bobby the way they're like, oh, somebody should warn her. Yeah, you almost feel... Oh, sorry, somebody should warn him. You almost feel sorry for the guy. It's kind of like a fun little scene. But then we get this uh, fight between Kim and Jimmy, and similar to what we said last episode, it's great. Like uh, Both Eddie Sibrin and Kim Raver do a great job. Again, my thing here is why the fuck is Jimmy even there? Uh, and the fact that Kim is, like, yelling at Jimmy in the middle of this street. You've got Jimmy's firefighter buddies who can no doubt hear this. You can actually see two other cops in the background, and here is Kim literally yelling at him going, your bookie stole your car. Like, Jimmy should be a little bit more concerned. He's like, shut up, Kim. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, we obviously get the the threat here that um, Kim is going to take away Joey going to go to court uh what does he say like you're a screw up you stay away from him uh this really doesn't go anywhere because obviously we know by the end of this episode they kind of solve their issues but uh, we talked about last episode in terms of what's going to eventually happen there you know when this kind of gets roles reversed with you know jimmy kind of going after kim with what happens to kim but i don't know like part of me kind of wants to see kim challenge this because i think kim has got some solid groundwork here to take joey away from jimmy (laughs) I was just going to say that, like, when I first started watching this, I don't know why I found such satisfaction in her going at Jimmy like this, because of everything she's put up with, like, him being late on child support, or not being a parent like he should be, and then he gets off so easily because Kim, I don't know, I don't want to, I've been, I egged on her enough, but, god dang, can't she just woman up and just, (laughs) I don't know, (laughs) it's frustrating, I was, I, I, I was going to say, like, grow some balls, but that's kind of sexist and uh, doesn't really fit in with this. Uh, so, no, we won't say that. <laughs> just human up. Damn. I mean, because <laughs> just, I don't know, human up. <laughs> just get some power. Just go after him. Like, stop letting your freaking feelings. Man, I don't know. I just... <laughs> you go, girl. Jeez, Brandy. You're, you're, you're owning this. You really, really do don't like Kim sometimes, do you? I like her. I just wish she would have went after him. Like I'm a single mom, man. I mean, I just come on. You just kind of step. You just kind of stepped it back a little bit. I don't know. Never mind. Anyways, <laughs> it's uh, very interesting. It's very. You made a good point. Yeah. You said that you wish you would have went. Definitely, more, definitely. So yeah. Uh, again, I'm still questioning why Jimmy's there, but anyway, I, I won't bang on that about. Uh, so, um, where are we up to that? Um, oh, we're still getting more of the debate. So, Bosco is basically asking why Hillary is running for New York. She wouldn't know how to find LaGuardia on a map. Uh, we're obviously learning a little bit more about Rudolph Giuliani. 70% of crime has come down. Uh, I do love how, like, Yokus becomes a bit of a hypocrite, how she wants to read the paper before nobody else, but she just snatches it out of Sully's hands, um, reading <laughs> out quotes uh, from Hillary, and then uh, Sully says, we're the capital of the world again, Giuliani, can I have my paper back now, please? Um, and then they're having this debate about, like, uh, oral sex, where, when, what does Yokus uh, say? Oh, so you two are now coming out against oral sex. And then basically she's like, the guy is a guy. Uh, it's just, it's an interesting little debate. Carl, uh, Davis comes in with the Greek food. Uh, we obviously, you know, still see Sully's being stubborn. He's going to make sure that Mr. Robert cooks me dinner tonight, as he says. Um, then we go back to the paramedics. I do like how, uh, what is it? Bobby brings the coffees and he gives like the fist bump. Is it to Doc? And he's like one black straight up. And they just kind of give this weird little fist bump. Um, and then this is where Carlos essentially starts bringing up the uh, what's the worst call you've ever had. Um, we hear a little bit of a reference to this so-called suitcase. We hear Jerry's name. We haven't heard Jerry's name in a while. Uh, and then we get this nice little, well, I shouldn't say nice little story, but we get this story by Kim who obviously talks about the worst call she's had about a girl on her college graduation day. A uh, dog attacked her. And uh, basically she's, uh, you know, we kind of get this theme, don't we, about when you learn your life life isn't going to be easy essentially 
Um, and uh, the title of the episode Ohio comes from this story because Kim at one point says, oh, where was that girl from? I can't remember. And then eventually she goes, oh, Ohio. That's where she was from, yeah. Ohio. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of it's a nice little scene. The one, the one little side scene that I, it's kind of just a very throwaway moment, but it really underlies Bobby's niceness. Is he's brought all these coffees along, and then you see Doc go to give him money for it, and then Bobby's just kind of like, "No, you get the next one." I don't know. It's just like a random little Bobby's a nice guy scene. You know, you're like, "Ah, Bobby, you nice guy, you." Um, so, um, I mean, again, there's a whole lot really here that we can really get into discussion points about because it's just all kind of topics of debate, but of, of conversation, not even debate. Except for the cops, but uh, I don't know if you really have anything to add on these, but I, I should let you talk. I mean, that's why you're on this show, Brandy. Well, no, I don't really have much to add. I mean, there really isn't much. I mean, I was, the only interesting conversation for me is just the whole suitcase and, like, the girl, like, how the life isn't... I just like how Kim told the story. Because it was, like, what, her first, first call ever. And I don't know if you want to get into that, but oh, basically this... The, the, huh? the, are you saying get into the suitcase now, or...? Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, look, we may as well. I mean, we're on the topic of it. If you if you want to give me your thoughts about it, then I guess I can explain a little bit more as well. But by all means, keep going. It's we may as well. No, we're just, here. Just case for, uh, get into. I don't know. It was just crazy because, like, uh, basically, what happened was they found what was it? The two treat. How do you say it? Meth heads. I don't like to call them. I don't junkies. Whatever. But uh, addicted to drugs in a car. Yeah, and they were basically in a car, and they were. Having sex, and coitus. they came to this. Huh? <laughs> coitus. This is. I love that word, coitus. Uh, I, I learned that word from the Big Bang Theory from Sheldon. But I just love how Doc uses know, the word coitus. Like, you explain things so much better than I do, to be honest. They were you're fucking. So- all right. Uh, <laughs> is that better? You think I explain things differently? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> All right. Yep. Things just got real tonight. No. Um. <laughs> but no, I just think it was cool. It was just interesting, like how it was random. The stories were random, but honestly, the suitcase. They basically they had folded up the two year old and broke his legs back to fit into the suitcase, and that was one of the scenes. But I think Kim, of her, it was interesting how she, they incorporated the stories into like how life is not always going to go the way you want, and. It goes into, like, how they eventually have to become kind of numb to the calls at times. Mm. And then they have an interesting topic about God. I'm with Carlos on this, though. I mean, oh, you know I am. <laughs> yeah. You know I'm with Carlos, too. Like, I actually got mad at Doc when Doc was trying to, like, make him feel like an asshole. I was like, Doc, shut up. Just shut up. <laughs> shut up, Doc. <laughs> but, it's, I mean, it's, it's interesting kind of. I think it's very overlooked the whole paramedic side of this episode because I mean obviously we're getting a lot of the meat from the uh, the cops, but uh, as we often do. But yeah, like I mean this this very brutal story about you know finding a suitcase with a kid dead in there and broken up, and it's like it, it, it's brutal. Um, and you know it's um, it's a sad case because I mean I'm sure something like this has happened in the past before. You know in terms of. Uh, that. I mean, I don't know if they might have based this off a real-life incident or something along those lines. But, um, yeah, it's kind of like, as you were saying, the whole, you know, underlining theme there of, you know, when you realise life doesn't go away. And we get that little conversation, don't we, between Doc and Kim about how, um, you know, I realised it was when Jimmy was sleeping with my sister. And then when uh, Doc says, oh, I, I realised it was when Deborah died. And we kind of get this nice little moment with uh, Doc talking about how Deborah didn't want kids. Um, and then that, that line, that, that, there's one line actually that he says that really, really cuts deep to my core when he says, um, you know, it was like watching a movie and then having to leave before it finished and I wanted to know how the damn thing ended. I was like, yeah. wow, okay. Yep, I feel you there, brother. Um, it was, yeah, it was, it was interesting. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, it's, it's kind of... I mean, we've really covered all the paramedic stuff here, haven't we? Because, I mean, I, I guess yeah. we, I mean, we'll get to the, just this little religious debate too because I think what's interesting here about um, the religious debate... Because, I mean, we get so much covered in this episode. We get politics, we get religion, we get, like, the death penalty. Um, you know, just add, like, abortion in here and we've kind of covered all the taboo topics that people would like, always like to have debates about. Why not? Um, but it's, it's yeah, like, I agree. I'm with you. I agree with everything Carlos says. Uh, I, I find it fascinating because we know Bobby's a very religious man, so obviously, like, he gets 
gets up and kind of slightly pissed off about it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like Doc and the way he's kind of like, you know, oh, you're missing the point. I'm not going to get into this religious debate right now because don't get me started. But I love Carlos's <laughs> line when he says, um, you know, if we had an election for this God, I wouldn't want to elect this guy because he's not doing a very good job. Yes. <laughs> I... Again, I'm with Carlos, like, what he just said, like, how dare you? I would just be like, how dare you? I would question him. Like, I just love Carlos's point of view in this episode. You know, and he gets a lot of shit for who he is in terms of, like, how he carries himself. But honestly, I don't, I should think Carlos was a jackass, but I don't really see it now. Like, watching these episodes, I don't see, I kind of see where he's coming from more often now. He's that I'm a like, blunt oh, person. I mean, Carlos can be a jackass. He's, I mean, he can't, but his experiences also kind of made him, like, hardened in a way. And I kind of get it. Like, now that I've lived life a little bit more, I kind of get him more now versus 10 years ago or so, you we, know? We had that question last episode, didn't we, from Bob, who was kind of obviously uh, sort of trying to get a comparison to, to Bobby and, and Bosco, which, again, we obviously went through and can kind of see the, the loose comparisons based on their family history. But if you want a personality comparison in terms of things... Uh, you know, I, I think it's a Bosco Carlos in many aspects that, you know, you've kind of got these two characters that can be real jerks a lot of the times, but you know they've got a heart. And, like, if you want to be analytical of the two, you're going to say Carlos is more of the jerk, uh, you know, because, I mean, Bosco is more of a bigoted jerk, but I, I think kind of his profession warrants that sometimes in what he has yeah. to deal with, whereas Carlos is kind of the opposite. He's more of a, a sympathetic profession, where you shouldn't have these judgments, but what makes Carlos unique is he is this kind of jerk asshole in a field of of profession where he should really be more sympathetic towards people. So I think that's, again, what makes Carlos one of the most interesting TV characters of all time and just how he comes across. And, like, I think his viewpoints, like we had in the last episode, where he's basically talking about shoving kids on an island and letting them shoot each other, and here he is basically saying, like, if I saw God, I'd be like, how dare you? You know what I mean? It's it's kind of... He's just such a unique, layered character. And, um, yeah, he's, he's great. He's, he's easily... I've said before, I'm going to say it again, my second favourite character on the show behind Bosco. He's definitely one of my favourites, for sure. I mean, and I get it, because he... As we all know, his background is a foster kid, and like I said, like the more I experience life, the more the more I look back on it. I've been where I've had those like moments where like, yeah, well, we could just put the homeless in one section and let them live there, you know? And like that sounds so harsh, <laughs> but it's kind of like Carlos, but he would say something like that as well, and I get that mindset a little bit. I mean, it doesn't mean I want to be like that, but I I get where he comes from. Yeah, oh, you know? for sure, I get, for sure. You know, I mean, because shit, man. <laughs> Again, we could talk about this all day, but it's just, it's just so, it's so, it's so fascinating. I do just one little side scene. I do like um, when they're they're talking about the the calls, and I think um, what is Carlos? They bring up the scene about how they're trying to. They had that guy got stuck in the window, and they were like chalupas, chalupas, and they give each other like a weird little high five. <laughs> I don't know. I just, it's just, just little things like that to me that just shows that this cast had fun working with each other. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's little moments like that that you almost feel are slightly ad libbed. That, that that's not written in the script or something like that. But you just, these guys just get along so well. The chemistry is so great between this cast that it's just, it's barely acting. And I think we, I, I, I think we talked a little bit about this in our, one of our Nip Tuck episodes. That you know, you obviously appreciate a good TV show or a movie when you're watching these characters and you don't believe these are actors pretending to be people. These are just legitimately people being how they are. And I think the majority of Third Watch just gets so overlooked in terms of the fact that this is what this cast does so well. It's just, I mean, you think of all these scenes that we're seeing in the, the police interacting with each other. I mean, I don't know about you, but, like, sometimes I'll literally watch something that I'm watching. Maybe I'm having a shit time watching a movie or a TV show, and I kind of just, like, picture it in my head. I go, okay, so this right now is Jason Wiles and Kobe Bell pretending to be people reading off a script i'm gonna i'm gonna imagine you've got directors watching this and what's it like watching these who act this in person like if you ever go and watch a play and you are seeing these actors live in front of you acting you kind of like you sometimes go oh that's just my friend john you know but here he is playing hitler or something like that i don't know i don't have a friend called john and i don't know why john's in a play about hitler but you brought him up i'm just continuing on the hitler storyline um but <laughs> Donald Trump. He played Donald Trump. Same person. But, yeah, it's... um, It's... <laughs> just shut up, Ben. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it's just... You really do see that these guys just... Just the chemistry between these actors is so good. And, once again, 
I'm biased in saying this, but I just I just don't get how this show didn't get as much recognition as it I think deserves. I don't get it either. I I I'm with you. I don't get it either because it's how do they not? And it's not one of those cop shows where it's just like so unrealistic or just so jokingly bad. I mean, this was like I feel like Third Watch was like one of the first shows to do something as realistic as they do as they do as they did. And so I mean, I don't get it, but I'm always. Re- I'm always happy to introduce new people. Every time, like we talk about shows, I'm like Third Watch. Oh, what's that about? I'm like, find out. Like, go get it from your local library. Like, rent it. And like, I get people into it, and so that's always cool. And then, like, when they talk about it, it's kind of cool to have like a fresh new voice to it. Yeah. But yeah. And it's also like, um, I mean, as we constantly say about it, you know, it obviously does steer in a certain direction a little bit later on in the show's run. I mean, these early seasons are where it really stands out. The first two, in particular. You know, three and four for the most part, and then obviously five and six are kind of where it kind of, I don't say lose its way, but it kind of maybe does turn into your more standard by-the-numbers cop show. Um, but, like, I've made a lot of comparisons to Third Watch and Blue Bloods before, um, and, you know, there are lots of elements of Blue Bloods that do remind me of Third Watch. The, the problem with Blue Bloods is that you can never, um, I feel, compare it to Third Watch is that just the, the, the interactivity of the characters in, in Blue, Bud, Blue Bloods doesn't have that natural feel about it you you kind of you know i don't know if you ever watched like csi and how like what was the csi miami how david caruso had those over the top one-liners you know and like it just felt very forced blue blood sometimes has a bit of forcibility about it but i mean there are definitely some natural actors in it who you feel like really get along with each other but like third watch you just never feel it's forced Maybe again in the later seasons we can revisit that viewpoint because yeah, yeah. you can probably shut me down at that point and go, okay, Ben, this is very forced. But particularly in these episodes, and this is why I love this episode. I love After Hours. I love these ones where all the characters are with each other because, again, it's, it's Third Watch was never a show written about the job. It was written about the characters having these jobs. It, lo- it loses its way on that viewpoint later on in the series. You can't deny that. But at least in these early seasons, when it was at its peak, when this should have been being recognised for its acting... You know, these actors should have been getting nominations for their acting. I mean, I am a huge ER fan, and what ER did so well was, again, it was about the characters having this job. You know, George Clooney was getting nominated, Anthony Edwards, Noah Wiley, you know, Juliana Marguerite. They, they were all getting nominated for their roles, rightfully so. And Third Watch sadly never got any acting recognition, at least on the major awards. So, yeah, I'm having my rant here, Brandy. But, um, you know, it's an episode about opinions, so here we are giving ours again. I was gladly listening. I mean, Good. you made some value. Yeah, you made some value. You bet one person so- was. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, we actually have listeners. We appreciate you guys. I mean, it's awesome. I mean, I love it. But yeah, no, I mean, I don't. <laughs> you basically said everything in terms of that, the characters and everything. I mean, yeah, we've... I wish it was recognition. That's for sure. I mean, that's something we both agree on. I wish there was more recognition. I, you know, I mean, it does feel more forced at the end. And one thing you did say was like, this was a show about the characters who have the job, not about the job itself. And that right there, right there, was just the perfect line you just, you said to sum up what the show's about. Yeah. Exactly. Couldn't agree with myself anymore. You're an intelligent man, Ben Waterworth. Uh, so we've basically covered a lot of the paramedics there. But uh, back with the cops, obviously, just a lot of the stuff there that kind of goes on. So we have uh, Bosco getting a TV, uh, trying to watch the quarterfinals. Again, I'm guessing this is college football. Uh, college basketball, I should say. Sorry. Um, we, we meet these two Secret Service agents and Bosco trying to make peace with the Secret Service agents and typical Bosco ends up offending them. Um, so I kind of, I like the interaction between Bosco and the Secret Service agents. Um, we also get, uh, so Davis had gone up to the toilet and had kind of poked his head into the debate. Uh, he mentions like Rudy's doing okay. And then, you know, I love Yoko's, Davis, you can't be for Rudy. <laughs> just, I love the way he says that. Come on, Davis, you know not to say anything. <laughs> We get this. Uh, we get a death penalty debate, um, and you know, Yoka sells it pretty well. Like she has a very good, uh, valid point there. I think with that. Uh, but then we also get uh, Davis's very good point about uh, you know the mob 
you know, I, I'm not scared of much, but I'm afraid of a mob. You know, mobs don't think. They just, you know, they don't have a brain. They just go with what everybody's doing. It's, you know, it's powerful words actually there by, yeah. by Davis. Um, we also then kind of um, get back to... Uh, oh, I'm just reading my notes here. So I think it's when the uh, the TV gets taken away next, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it is. Uh, the Secret Service say that they need another TV in the press room. Um, and obviously, you know, Bosco's thinking that they've taken it because they're dicks. Another one of these random... We talked about this last episode about, like, random moments which really make me laugh out loud. I absolutely love Bosco when he's like, uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally, like, watching that scene right now. That's one of my favorites because he actually goes out. Like, nah, nah. He just, he goes, and I'm like, what are you going to do, Bosco? What are you going to do? <laughs> I, how is Jason Wiles, like, we talk about acting like... Jason Wiles is, the, like, one of the most naturally gifted actors when it comes to playing this character. Like, he yeah. is just so good at playing this character. Again, you do not see Jason Wiles. You see Maurice Boscarelli. And it's like, he is just so natural at playing this cop that just, ah, oh, I just don't get how he gets no recognition for this role because he's so darn good. And it just, ah. Oh, it's even later on, when we're talking about how this show becomes a bit more formulaic cop show, he still holds on to this. I mean, he's not the only one. Sully does too. Iokas, Davis, they all hold on to it. Carlos kind of goes in a different direction, but it's still good. Um, and it's just, yeah, I just don't understand. I just like the moment there was like, uh-uh, uh-uh. Like, it's just so, just like, he's just like a kid, but it's just so natural. I, I just don't understand it, Brandy expressions and everything. No, I get it. It's hard to explain, but I get what you're saying. I mean, that's why you're gonna, you're gonna have to watch if you haven't seen this show yet. You're definitely gonna have to watch it because he is good. Like, I've seen him recently in a Criminal Minds episode and I just can't get it. He just, Bosco's just his character. I mean, that's just, yeah. yeah you don't see my well, as I said, I said before, like I've, you know, it was, I saw him in um, Commander in Chief. He was in like the first four hours. He was like the White House Chief of Staff or something like that. But he wasn't in it for that long. Uh, but the one that obviously I watched based purely on him being in it was that show Persons Unknown that I think I've talked about a little bit before here. Um, you know, he's like one of the main people in that. I mean, it was a good show. It started off very, very well, but then it just had this ridiculous moment in the middle where it just went shit, and then it ended terribly. Um, and then they got cancelled after the first season anyway. But, I mean, look, it is well worth a watch for uh, Jason Wiles fans just to see him because he plays a different character in that with not really any Bosco. And he's he's not one of... In saying that he, he is this character of Maurice Boscarelli, he's not one of these actors who I feel, though, when you see him, you only ever think of him as one person. I think he's a good enough actor that you can yeah, see him outside. It's like... You think of, like, so many actors out there who are just so good at different roles. Um, one person that I think is, like, you only ever see them as that person uh, is... I think his name's Josh Radnor. He was Ted Mosby in How I Met Your Mother. Um, I've only ever... I saw him in... He was in an episode of ER before he was ever in How I Met Your Mother. And, you know, before you've seen How I Met Your Mother, you think none, none different of it. It's just, like, he's random patient of this episode. But once you've seen How I Met Your Mother and you go back and watch ER... All you can see him as is Ted. He just is not any different. So he's trying to play this serious patient with, like, an issue, and yet he's just literally Ted Mosby. (laughs) So it's just like, there are some actors who are always going to be the same person no matter what. Mark Hamill will always be Luke Skywalker. Always. That is why he went into voice acting, because he is always going to be Luke Skywalker. So, um... But but there are some, like, yeah. Anyway, we're getting sidetracked, but... um, we what do we get? What do we have? So um, oh, we, Davis randomly also sings the um, the domestic violence song. Of course he would. Um, not saying anything about Davis, but obviously his dad. Um, we get a little bit back with the paramedics. We didn't really cover where obviously Bobby and Kim have a bit of a moment. It's the first kind of nice moment these two have had in a while. Uh, whereas you know Kim saying like, oh, you know you you're no doubt sick of uh, hearing uh, about me going on about this, and Bobby's like, you know, it's fine. Um, and again, another real line that cuts deep to me personally when, you know, Kim sort of says like, oh, you know, he's just home. I, you know, he's a crappy idea of home, but I can't explain it. He's just home. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's interesting. Um, then we get this great little scene with Bosco when they're talking about the TV 
and basically, uh, what does Davis say? Like, oh, I don't watch much TV anyway. And Boss goes like, yeah, there's only two things that I watch on TV, sports and animals. Oh, <laughs> Whoever thinks that uh, Bosco would watch animal documentaries, well, he does. Uh, and obviously, Yokers and Davis give him a little bit of shit. I love like when Bosco gets shitty about it when he's like, you know, oh, all it is is like lions and antelope. And then Davis is like, oh, yes, except for the 18 camera crew and a director's truck. And then Bosco's like, you have to ruin it for me, don't you? And just kind of storms off again like a little kid. I do love Davis's line, but he's like, Bosco, tell your damn story. <laughs> like, it's just... I just like it when Yokers is like, oh, Bosco, uh, what, what was he? Somebody like one of them getting away. He's like, it's okay, Bosco. <laughs> like, it's like, Bosco, but something she says something so slick and just, I, I like her line when she's like oh my like when she just is not expecting yeah, yeah. To this story but like, I, I, lo- I love like Bosco's explanation is pretty cool like the way he kind of describes like you know this this uh, what's happening on the screen and obviously he's saying like about how they would make good cops and all this sort of stuff but uh, then we kind of get this nice little backstory it's kind of almost like the why Bosco became a cop story where he's talking about what Vinny Spadero this little redheaded kid that got wailed on a lot so he would stand up for him and kind of you know I like how um, when Yoke is like oh so they would like uh, you know bash you too and he's like no I held my own you know I did alright uh, you know because you can imagine Bosco like getting picked on by all these kids you can see he's going to fight back he's not just going to stand back and yeah. take it until obviously you know we hear a little bit about his dad and this is kind of probably like the first uh, time we get a bit of Bosco's dad really I feel um, I mean, we get a little bit previously about like when his mum and dad were fighting, but we haven't really heard too much about Bosco's dad being abusive. So obviously we get a little bit of this it's kind of a throwaway line that you don't really pay attention to. But, uh, I mean, it does come into play later on in the series, I guess. Um, and, yeah, I, one thing I have to say about this whole thing, because then obviously uh, Yokus is kind of like talking about, you know, a good cop, a good cop like you. Um it's really clever, this whole scene, how it's kind of just like a one continuous shot. Uh, and I look, I, it feels like there's not a whole lot of editing in this scene. Like, it feels like this is all very natural. This is done in one take. And I'm probably wrong. It's just, obviously, we know that uh, there's, you know, intelligent editors out there in Hollywood. So, they're going to make it seem like this is natural. But it wouldn't surprise me if all of this was done in one take. When we get to the 100th episode, and I know I'm jumping ahead, but I will bring this up. Because that episode was uh, renowned for the fact that they did long, continuous, I think, like, 10, 15-minute shots where there was no break in shooting at all. They, these actors just maintained character with no editing, no anything for, like, 10, 15 minutes, one continuous camera shot, very intelligently done. And, again, Third Watch, so underrated that they did this. And they're not the only show that does this. I realise that. I'm not claiming that Third Watch is unique. But uh, it's, it's very cleverly done. And I just feel that this is so naturally done that I kind of get a feeling that... And I, again, it's probably a question we can never answer unless we get somebody who, you know, the director of this episode on the show, and if they remember it, because it was 17 years ago, but I just wanted to point that out. I just think it just, it's got such a natural feel the way that this whole sequence here is done. I don't know if you paid attention to that at all. I didn't, but I'm listening. <laughs> I'm definitely listening, though. I mean... I wish we could talk to uh, one of the directors or some, uh, one of the writers on the show. Michael just... Fields. I'll just interrupt you there. Michael Fields directed this episode, so, yeah. No, go ahead. No, I mean, I wish we could have. I mean, that would be interesting to be able to ask those kind of questions while we're watching these episodes. Like, hey, so when this went on or when this scene happened, you know, I mean, what actually went on? So, I mean, no, I didn't know this, but again, you know more of a mean when it comes to this. Well, it's, it's just it's just interesting. I mean, I'm just looking through Michael Field's, um, his directorial credits. I mean, he's obviously established director when it comes to a variety of TV shows uh, Dawson's Creek, Sex and the City, Felicity Roswell, Law and Order uh, Veronica Mars uh, yeah, a heap of shows here and he, this is the first third watch episode he's directed and he would uh, later direct uh, A Thousand Pounds of Light which is in the, is that this season? Is that towards the end of this season? Uh, or is that second season? Um I think that's this season. It's actually in a few a few episodes time. Never mind. I knew that. Anyway, but uh, yeah, we we don't generally talk a lot about the directing and the kind of the editing and stuff like that. But I just I just felt like pointing that out. It's good. Uh, anyway, so we get uh, Jimmy and Kim. The resolution. Kim's kind of forgiven Jimmy in some weird way, and uh, obviously saying like we'll give it a chance. And when Jimmy gets it, Jimmy gets a nice little line there when he says like oh I, I think you feel like you wasted your words on me. You know I'm really starting to take it in. And you kind of at one point you're like really Jimmy. Are you that dumb that you're kind of only taking it in now? But, like, at the same time, you kind of... 
I think a lot of the backstory with Kim and Jimmy is like, I don't think we ever really get a, a direct age of these two. You're going to say they're what, their late 20s, early 30s. Uh, I think they've been divorced for a couple of years. They were together for about four years. Um, because like I like this kind of like nice little scene when they you know they're talking about the good times like when they went deep sea fishing and what is uh what does Kim say like you always made me feel like a bride you know like it's sweet like you know it's just it's really nice to hear what they're saying to each other but you would assume that these two got together very young got married very young so Jimmy obviously I guess hadn't matured as an adult so of course he's gonna go out there he's a very attractive man he's a ladies man so he's going to cheat he's going to want to sleep around and he's going to want to do that it's still what jimmy's going to do for a large portion of this show so i think kind of hearing jimmy say the words like i'm starting to get it now kim you kind of believe it and it's not more of a you're a dickhead jimmy you're taking so long it's more of a okay fair enough you're finally starting to get this you do, and you kind of see why Kim's like, okay. But, I mean, it's one of those few moments where, like, you see this grumble side of Jimmy instead of his cocky side you always see. So, I mean, this is actually one of my favorite scenes. As much as I wanted to, like, take it to him, it's also one of my favorite scenes. Because, I, can I just say the background is gorgeous, though? Mm. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm always, when, every time I watch this scene, I'm so focused on the background with the, like, was it during Christmas time? I don't know, but the lights back there. And this background is just gorgeous, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's. I would say it's not Christmas because we recently had a Valentine's Day episode. Um, but I mean, it might have been filmed around that time. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I I I didn't really pay too much attention to that bit, but uh, you know, good noticing that one there actually. <laughs> um, so we then kind of cut back to the kitchen. The the debate's wrapping up. Everything's sort of closing. Uh, Dominique is about to eat his own food, and Sally's kind of you know he's still being stubborn he's like I took a pass on those you know Greek food and obviously we we didn't really talk about the scene before when he was trying to suck up to the chef and say about adding ginger ale to the duck sauce the duck l'orange or whatever it is Uh, but I love how like he says like oh she was from Queens and he was like oh one of the culinary capitals of the world Uh, but obviously he does listen to that because he adds uh, a bit of ginger ale to it Um, and obviously it works quite well so finally Dominic invites Sully to sit down and eat and uh, to which then uh, also the rest of the crew get some food as well. So uh, I like I like Sally's line. Shall we see what my friends are having? <laughs> so obviously, yay, they get to eat. Good for them. Um, and then we get uh, Doc on the phone. He's obviously uh, trying to have phone sex with Morales, but people keep interrupting him. <laughs> I mean, he is so having phone sex. Like he literally says the line, yeah, and that thing that you just said, I, I would like to do that with you too. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. come on, fill in the gaps there, people. It's it's 2000. There's no sexting involved back then. They are having phone sex. They are. I was sorry, sorry, water. sorry, Brandy. Phone yeah. coitus. I, I was drinking water. So, but, uh, <laughs> no, there was no, that is funny. I uh, don't have much to say about that, but, yeah. We should, should mention, I mean, this scene is a little bit more than Doc having phone sex, obviously. It's kind of Bobby... Uh, it's a nice little scene in the fact that Bobby's like, what's it like riding around with him all day? And then Doc, it's like, it's interesting how... I think this sequence really summarises Doc and Carlos's uh, relationship. You know, he's kind of like, you know, look, I'm not going to judge, judge him on his viewpoints. He's got what he thinks, I think what I think. And at the end of the day, he goes home and I go home. You know, it's kind of like, that is the Doc and Carlos relationship. It's not the in-depthness of, you know, the Sully and uh, and Davis relationship as we've kind of gone over with this rookie and this old person. Uh, sorry, right. older veteran. I shouldn't say old person. You know what I mean. Um, but it, it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's just a nice little thing. And he obviously says, like, he's a good paramedic. So, you know, there's that mutual respect for each other that kind of, as we've gone over and sort of teased doesn't really get completely solidified until the very final episode of Third Watch. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a nice little scene. And obviously then Bobby's like, oh, rumour is that you're seeing someone. And it's like, uh, you know, oh, what's it like? And it's like, no, 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 what's it like? And it's like, oh, it's nice. Um, and then I like how um, uh, Bobby's like, oh, I've kind of been seeing someone too. Her name's Trevor. And the way Doc's like, Trevor? Um, I've got to point out one little plot hole here, though, Brandy. You know I've got to nitpick at something. Bobby okay. says, Bobby says with this, with Trevor, he says, oh, it's nice. It must be a new record for me and, you know, longer than two dates. Okay, haha, bit of a joke there, surely. Did we not have an episode a few episodes ago where Maddie, his brother, 
admitted that he was sleeping with Bobby's girlfriend of about, what, two years the whole time? So, like, is Bobby forgetting that he was in a relationship for a couple of years? Or is he just trying to take the piss out of himself completely? Like, when I, when I say we've got two listeners, clearly I'm exaggerating. Clearly I know we don't only have two listeners. I realise we've only got one listener. But I'm just trying to make a joke out of it. <laughs> I get what you're saying. I am... Um... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just nitpicking at things, all right? I'm just trying to find things. Yeah. I love this episode. I don't want to nitpick at it, but that's a plot hole right there. Come on. Oh, man. Yeah. Anyway, I'll stop yelling. We've got to get to the end of this episode. Uh, I like how when he says, you know, oh, does the rumor say who I'm uh, dating Morales? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just like straight away. Um, and we get this nice little scene between um, Kim and, and Carlos at the end. You know, uh, it's, 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 it's random. Like, I like how, like, Kim's kind of like, oh, they said it all started with one big blast. And Carlos is like, big bang. Um, and it's kind of like, you can kind of see Carlos doesn't give a shit because the way that Kim's kind of like, oh yeah, you know, I watched it with Joey on Alan Alder and like, you know, Carlos is just like, oh, they're finishing up inside. Like he just doesn't give a flying fuck about like Kim's kid. But I I will say, I think this is pretty much the first, I think this is the very first Kim Carlos like alone scene. And the thing that's kind of interesting with Kim and Carlos is that it's kind of like a slow burning like chemistry and I'm not involving like romantic feelings, but in terms of like, they, they end up having a real mutual respect for each other by the time that one of them, well, you know, it's going to be Kim because clearly Carlos is in the last episode. So was Kim, but anyway, uh, I'm just trying not to spoil it by spoiling it. But like the final episode that Kim has before she leaves, at least for a part of the show, like we get that really nice scene between the two of these people that there's that real mutual respect between them, but it kind of takes a while and they have some fun moments, Kim and Carlos across the years, but this is, I think the very first time and it's, it's a throwaway scene. There's no substance to this scene at all, except that Carlos has been a bit of a dick to Kim, but, um, you know, I, I, I like it. You know, I like my random interactions between characters that shouldn't be interacting. And here we have Kim and Carlos for the, really the first time. No, I mean, I think it's good to point out because at one point, I mean, there's going to be a huge scene, scene between the two of them. So, I mean, it's good to point out these when they start getting close, you know, because it's going to make sense when that huge scene comes up like later on in the seasons when that happens. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, and that basically ends the episode because we get kind of, they've all got a call. There's been a bus accident and we see our uh, merry bunch of men and women all go off together because, you know, it's kind of, they're all in this together. We've had a great character episode. And this is the thing, as I was saying, it's a character episode about their jobs because this whole episode is about these characters and their viewpoints and things and everything along those lines. We don't see them doing any of their job. You know what I mean? Like at le- in, in After Hours we kind of get a brief scene. Like it is tied around a call, but then there's also a brief scene where there's like almost like they are doing their job. At no point in this episode do we see them doing their job in any way. So I think this is the only episode maybe. Actually, no, there is one episode I can think of that I'm completely forgetting about, of course, which is another brilliant episode where they, there's nothing to do with their job in it at all. But uh, I guess you would argue they're technically on the job because they are working, but... Um, I think you know what I mean. But anyway, that's Ohio. Such a great episode. Uh, I'm not even going to bother stretching out my viewpoint on it because you know I'm going to say this, Brandy. This is a buy it. This is a buyit.com.au forward slash obvious. Um, love this episode. There's no questioning about that. And uh, I think I've said what I need to say about this episode, but it's definitely a buy it from me. Uh, rent it. Oh, come on. Boo. <laughs> Sorry, I just got a bit. Uh, I got into a mob mentality there. <laughs> wow, I didn't mean to be so vocal. Apologies about that. Please uh, explain your uh, your re- reasonings for your stupid decision. It doesn't, it doesn't touch me as much. Wow, um, but it doesn't touch the heart as much. And uh, it was interesting, but I didn't really relate to. It. I don't know. It was it? It didn't like. It didn't evoke anything. So. I'll, wow. I'll, for me. Cuts me deep, Brandy. <laughs> you know. Cuts me deep. I don't know what to say to that. Um, I don't know. Well, that's Ohio. Clearly, you have a thing against that state. That's probably what it really is. Oh, let's be honest. I don't know. I mean, I've been to Ohio now. I mean, it was fine. I got stuck there for, like, a lot longer than I should have because of stupid delays in Greyhound and 
you know, other than that, I don't have a lot to say about Ohio. But anyway, if you're listening to us in Ohio, uh, Ohio to you too. I'm sure that joke's never been said. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's been an interesting episode to talk about. We're obviously now going to continue on next week into the 18th episode of the first season. It's entitled Men. Um, so, <laughs> bit of a sexist episode, apparently. Um, we get Yokus meeting an old lover. Ooh, um, bit of tension around that. Um, Doc's dad comes back into the equation, and uh, Candyman also comes back into the equation. And there's a bit of a basketball game, which I'm going to talk a lot about because there's a storyline here that had a lot of potential. That just gets completely forgotten about after this episode. But anyway, we'll uh, get to that. Uh, in the meantime, remember to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe on all the services that you can listen to us on, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. And while you're there, please uh, do give us some ratings, some feedback, subscribe, everything else in between. If you really do hate us, you can leave us one star. We won't be offended because we're asking you to rate us. So maybe you can put like one star. Stop fucking asking me to rate it. Here it is finally. <laughs> Shut the fuck up and get on with your episodes. That's a valid uh, rating. Fair enough. I've asked for that, really. Uh, but, yeah, obviously, also here on the Oz Network, if you like Third Watch, you can hear us cover Nip Tuck. We've got some other things in the pipeline. Movie episodes as well. Uh, Australian Survivor. American Survivor's coming up as well. So plenty to keep you busy uh, on our podcast. But that's it for this episode of Ohio, or Third Watch, entitled Ohio. We're not a new podcast just covering all things to do with that state. My name is Ben, and uh-uh, uh-uh. And my name is Brandy, and she ain't a woman. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.